Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. That's right, we have 26 episodes now. My name is Trevor Muir and I have been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for educators to thrive in their own. That's what we talk about in this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right, everybody, let's dive into this week's episode. Uh, But before we get into all of that, I hope you are having a good holiday season. I know this time of year can drudge up a lot of different types of feelings. As an educator, this might be the time of year where you're starting to rip your hair out a little bit, if you have any of it left, because maybe you've been through some Decembers before and that caused you to pull the follicles from your scalp because a lot of that energy and excitement that you started the year with and that your students started the year with, maybe it's beginning to wane a little bit lately. Maybe everybody's getting a little tired and maybe we're a little tired of being in school and I bet you have some students who feel that way as well and so we sometimes see a big uptick in negative behavior or off-task behavior or you know some of that apathy that's been running rampant lately in students maybe that's been amplified lately as kids are looking forward to the break that approaches they're looking forward to some of that freedom and time away from school and less work and less thinking and 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 struggle And so you've got some kids who are really, really excited about that, and it's showing right now. Or, and this is something that I explored in a video that I released last week. If you haven't seen it, you can go check it out at my website, trevormuir.com slash videos, or just look it up on YouTube. Um, It's called Why Some Kids Hate Christmas. You might have other students who are not exactly looking forward to a couple weeks off from school or not looking forward to being home at Christmas because maybe that's not been a positive experience for them in the past. Um, maybe you've got kids who, who two weeks off of school means two weeks without regular meals because they're used to getting their regular meals in school. Maybe two weeks off means no warm air. Um, and if you live where I live in Michigan, uh, warm air is really important, but some kids live in homes without working furnaces. Maybe you've got students who are dreading the, the, the feeling of being at home in a traumatic life and with traumatic family members and and all of that anxiety and pressure and the feeling of being away from the structure and discipline and the love and care of teachers and educators maybe all that is boiling to the surface right now and that's why you're seeing some of that behavior but whatever it is there it's present this is a tough season but it also can be a really good season for so many different reasons. And that's not what this podcast episode is about. Actually, I was going to dive right into the topic, but now I'm feeling a little inspired. But whatever it is, if you are kind of on your last rope right now, um, my hope for you is that you can find some of that joy that is woven into all of it. I'm hoping that you can find experiences for your students to take part in that that goes beyond just the memorization and and maybe shakes things up a bit um, so that they can find ways to thrive during this season and that you can as well and if you live 
over here in America, you might have a nice little break coming up right now. Um, and if you live somewhere where you don't have Christmas break or holiday break coming up this time of year, I, I hope you can do the same thing as us American educators. I hope that you can find space to rest and reflect and not think about school and unplug a bit and not uh, engage in the education world for an extended period of time so that you can refill your cup so that when you go back to school, whether that's after a long break or if that's after a weekend, when you return, maybe that cup that's now full again because you've had a chance to recuperate, you've had a chance to, to do things that have nothing to do with being a teacher, now all of a sudden that cup can overflow to your students. And so I just wanted to start off with a little reminder that it's hard to overflow from an empty cup. And I think a lot of us are experiencing empty cups right now. And, and so what are the things that fill you back up? What are the things that bring you joy and peace, uh, which I think are some pretty dominant themes this time of the school year, and how are you experiencing that yourself? Um, so anyway, maybe that should be a whole nother episode, but I just wanted to lead with that because it's, it's definitely a unique season that we're all in, um, and I'm hoping that you can find some joy and uh, peace in all of it. But this week, I want to talk about something that is a current event. So last week, if you if you haven't been paying attention, don't worry, I'll fill you in. But last week, some artificial intelligence technology called ChatGPT was introduced to the world. This company called OpenAI released this technology and it's got a lot of people freaking out a bit. The Atlantic, they had a headline that asked the question, is the college essay dead? A Forbes magazine has a headline that says, teachers fear chat GPT will make cheating easier than ever. You know, there's a website that says, could an AI bot be writing students homework? So the reason, what all these headlines about, the reason there's a bit of an alarm right now is that technology, this technology called ChatGPT, it can write for you. You can put in a prompt or ask a question, and within seconds, the AI, which is free, by the way, will give you a response with sometimes startling accuracy. You know, there's a professor at Amherst College who graded an essay that this program wrote, that this free available program wrote, he graded it using the same rubric and the same standard that he would give to his writing students at the college, and he graded it, and he actually gave the essay an A. And, and it's not plagiarizing other people's work either. It's literally synthesizing writing from all over the internet and composing it in an original way. And if you don't like the way it's written, you can literally hit refresh and it will write with the same type of information and a different arrangement of words and composition. And you can actually ask for more detail or you can even put in specifications saying, hey, I want five paragraphs on this subject. I want one paragraph. Or you can give specifics and it will do it for you you. And you can see why this raises the hackles on this, me, this English teacher's neck. I mean, writing, and I know this from lots and lots of experience, writing can be hard work. And if you can bypass that hard work by using artificial intelligence, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't students just cheat by using this? And as a result, not learn the skill of writing. And like the truth is, at least in my humble opinion, this is going to cause a shakeup in education, right? This is going 
to cause some very serious ripples that might even turn into some really big waves. When you have a technology out there that can do the work for you, yeah, that's going to disrupt things a bit. That's, that's going to cause a shakeup in education. But isn't that kind of the nature of education? I mean, did you know that in the 1970s, before I was born, by the way, just a little disclaimer, did you know that in the 1970s when calculators started becoming widespread, they were banned in most schools in America? And yet, in 1975, there, you know, calculators were in one of nine American homes, meaning you could ban them all you wanted to in school, but even in the 1970s, they were still being used at home to solve math problems. And within a decade, the college board was mandating their use, calculators use on the AP exam. And by 1990, they were being used in every school in the country. So even though they were banned just a decade earlier, all of a sudden they became used in a widespread way. And I don't think this was just educators throwing up their hands and essentially saying, if you can't beat them, join them. No, if you look at this history, you'll see it's because educators realize students can do more complex math with the use of a calculator. But educators first had to figure out how to take advantage of that technology. So a lot of the worry is that chat GPT or this artificial intelligence is just going to do all of the thinking instead of students having to do it. Instead of doing the research and writing a thoughtful essay comparing the themes of Shakespeare and modern politics, students will just write that prompt into chat GPT and it'll kick out a completely original essay on the topic. Now, that is a legitimate fear. I know when I was in high school and some of college, that's what I would have done. But since artificial intelligence didn't exist when I was in high school and college, I often BS'd essays like that. I learned quickly in my adolescent years that these types of papers were pretty formulaic. If I could just plug in surface level information into a five paragraph structure, I could get the graded I needed and then just move on. Now, did writing that five paragraph surface level essay make me a strong writer? Or did it confirm my ability to BS an essay? Because that's what artificial intelligence largely does. It finds the information and strings it together in a passable way. And that's what we're asking students to do with prompts like that. And so we gotta ask the question, what's the point? Why are we wasting their time and ours with something we know isn't producing better writers or even demonstrating understanding of the material? Is it, is it because some test says we have to do that? I mean, we need to adjust what writing in school actually looks like. Because what AI cannot do is mimic a writer's unique voice. It can't use personal stories and anecdotes to connect with what students are learning. ChatGPT may be a good writer, but it's not a great one because great writers are original and they do something that only they can do, which is create from their unique perspective. That's what we have to teach students to do. That's what standardized testing, if we're gonna keep that around, it needs to be about. ChatGPT is not going to end English class. It's not gonna abolish ELA, but I think it will change it. I think it's going to force us to examine the work that we give to students. I mean, we all know that writing five paragraph essays is not a part of the daily routine for most adults. And so, 
Maybe it's time that ship sails off into the sunset. Maybe it's time we get rid of the formulaic writing that we often give to students from, gosh, middle school all the way through college, but then after college, never again. I mean, I'm a professional writer. I've written books. I write these podcast ideas. I write out outlines. I write blog articles. I write videos. I'm a professional writer, which is kind of funny to say out loud. And yet, I haven't written a five-paragraph essay in about 20 years. And so, like, yeah, maybe it's time for that ship to sail off. But there is a lot of practical writing that I do do that we all do in our lives. I mean, we write emails. We send memos. We write in our journals. Some of us try to write thoughtful social media posts. And if we learn to love expressing our thoughts and ideas in written form— we write poetry and stories and blog posts and videos and this podcast episode. So maybe writing instruction needs a practicality update. And maybe a love of writing needs to be amplified more than formulaic writing. Now, easier said than done. But I think that is our challenge. That is the big pivot that needs to take place. As an English teacher, I've seen many students write an essay or a short answer response on a test, but not actually grow as writers or develop a love of the practice. But I've also seen students discover their voice through writing, and it's beautiful. We need more writing assignments that do that, and we can use artificial intelligence to actually enhance their writing. So instead of rejecting this new technology or trying in vain to block it on school servers or hide it from students, which is what we often do, right, when we're introduced to new technology that disrupts. I mean, we've, we've seen the apps where students can just scan a math problem and it will answer it for them. We've, we've seen different programs that kind of help students skip steps. I mean, we tried to ban calculators. We tried to ban the internet. We've banned cell phones. We've seen that banning doesn't seem to work because students will find a way around it. But what if instead of banning it or blocking it on servers, what if we used it to inspire better writing? So check this out. Let's say that you wanted your students to examine the impact COVID had on student learning. Let's say that's their writing prompt, you know, and so you could type that prompt into chat GPT and write what impact did COVID have on student learning in America? And this is the response you might receive. This is what I received when I typed it in there. It says the COVID-19 pandemic had a significant, this is by the way, I just want to say this nice and clear. This is what the computer wrote in about two seconds after I hit the prompt. So after I, I entered it in, it immediately responded with this. The COVID-19 pandemic had a significant impact on student learning in America. Many schools were closed for extended periods of time, and many students had to switch to remote learning. This disrupted the educational process for many students, and some may have fallen behind in their studies as a result. Additionally, the pandemic may have had a negative impact on students' mental health and well-being, which can also affect their ability to learn. Okay, so two things. First, this response that it gave back to me, that ChatGPT gave back to me, is not very meaty, but it does have some strong key points, which is a starting point for writers. So from here, I could take the line that it gave me where it says there's been a negative impact on mental health, and then I could either type that back into the software and maybe receive a more detailed response, but if not, 
which I didn't when I tried it. It didn't give me much more detail. But I could also, I mean, so what it tried to respond with, it basically just restated that claim, but it was lacking data and evidence. But then I could go and plug that into Google and do some reading and look at some journals and look at some data and look at some articles and I could find the details that I was looking for. It's like the AI is helping me skip that step, which is true, by the way. I mean, it is helping me skip a step. I and mean, instead of figuring out what all the main points are just completely organically, the AI is actually helping me with that. I don't even want to ignore that fact. But here's the thing. Don't we all want to find the best route to where we're going? Right. If this tool eliminates some time researching that, you know, the time that I spend developing those main points, if it eliminates some of that, doesn't that provide me with more time to dig deeper and work on my writer's craft and enhance the writing? And so like it, it actually buys me time. It actually simplifies the process so that I can put the emphasis on the things that matter most. But then the second thing, if I add this to the prompt, you know, when, when I give students that question, when I say, what impact did COVID have on the learning experience for students in America? If I add to the prompt, and how does this compare or contrast to your experience? All of a sudden, students need to write something that artificial intelligence cannot this personal element by asking how it compares or contrasts to their own lives, it, it forces students to think critically and express their thoughts in the written form. It also might be more inspiring for students to write because it's personal. They can connect with it. There's research that shows that students are more apt to work when they can find their relevance in what they're writing about, when there's this personal connection to it. And so by adding that little line, I'm doing something not just to bypass the AI, but now to enhance it, we can use the AI to get the data and the main points and we start crafting it that way. But then you add this personal element to amplify the engagement. And it might be also more pleasant for teachers to read and grade something like this because they're not reading the same paper and the same responses over and over again. Instead, they're getting to see nuance. They're getting to see personal perspectives. They're getting to read anecdotes and stories and opinions from students that connect to the main point of what everybody's learning. But now there's flavor to it, which is kind of the point of good writing is to see the flavor that comes from the creator, you know, that comes from the writer. You know, to me, this doesn't abolish English class and it actually might enhance it. But that does require some shifting of the paradigm. And there are always road bumps when we do that. We might have to change the assignments we give to reflect this new reality. You know, oral exams where students have to verbally articulate their learning might need to replace some of those writing assignments. And educators will need to develop better rubrics for that to happen. I mean, maybe we need to emphasize class discussion and teaching students how to talk to each other more about what they think and what they're learning. Because, you know, you can't use AI to do that. You can't use AI to show up in a class discussion and be able to articulate your thoughts and listen to others and add and, 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 and adjust and move with other people. That's something that technology is unable to do. And maybe we need to emphasize that more rather than just the five-paragraph essay, rather than that stock formulaic writing that doesn't actually get to the meat of good writing. You know, And so, and so instead of blocking this tool from students, maybe we need to teach students how to use it. How can it be a research tool? How can it assist in sparking ideas? How can AI be used to save time in some aspects of writing so that you can give more to other aspects of writing?
still use it to cheat or BS papers. But from a former school cheater and master BSer when I was in school, they were probably going to do that anyway. You know, when the printing press was invented in 1440, I'm guessing educators at that time had to pivot. When calculators started solving math problems by simply pressing buttons, educators had to pivot. When the internet was introduced, we all had to pivot. I remember in high school having to use a manual, a paper manual, to create in-text citations for my essays and in perfect MLA format. Now, you can go on EasyBib or chat GTP, and it'll do it for you. And so you know what that means? We probably don't need those manuals anymore. In fact, I haven't seen one in a classroom in years because we pivoted. You know, there'll be some road bumps and changes that come from all of this, but educators are used to those. Again, it's in the nature of the work. But what doesn't change in education is its primary mission which of course is to help students find success. Success as writers, success as thinkers, as problem solvers, success as people. So let's keep our eyes on the prize and use the tools and resources at our disposal to do so. So I'm gonna keep exploring this idea because I think there is a lot to it. And don't get me wrong, I think, like I said with the road bumps, it's not gonna be all positive. But evolution never is. There, there, there's always this learning curve, but I want to keep diving into it because I think this is going to get big. And I think as educators, we've got to find ways to get ahead of it. And, and getting ahead of it doesn't mean figuring out how do we block it or how do we ban it or how do we approach it with students and let them know that this is not allowed or, or here's the only applications you're allowed to use it for. Said, I think getting ahead of it means learning how can we incorporate it in our pedagogy? How can we use it in a way that makes writing more meaningful and authentic and relevant for students? So I'm gonna keep exploring it. And if you wanna follow along with these discussions and the videos I'll make about it, and who knows what's gonna come out of this, if you wanna keep up with these discussions on AI in school, but more importantly, how we can continue to evolve as educators to help students engage and learn more. You can go to my website at trevormuir.com newsletter, and you can receive my weekly emails where I'm gonna, go, where I'm gonna keep this discussion going. Um, you can also explore my latest videos by going to trevormuir.com videos. And of course, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. It is such a joy to get to talk to you um, and connect with you in this medium, and I'd love to keep doing it. But whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, I really do hope you have a wonderful holiday, that you get some space to reflect and rest, and that you can be reminded why the work you do as an educator is so valuable for students and the society that they live in. So take care, my friends, and thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I'll see you next time.